Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the disgusting cretins we truly are. My name is Caroline and it's not a spot, it's a cyst. Joining me is ingrown hair expert, Nicola Dynan. Hello. Hi. Um, I have never felt like I need to do less research for an episode because the research began when I was born. <laughs> no, and, was, and, and was disgusting. And now it's carried on for 33 years, wherein I am even more disgusting. I did try to do some research. Like, I'm not even joking. I went on JSTOR and typed in <laughs> yuckiness into the search bar and got no results. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to wing this. Okay, so how would you define what we're doing today, yuckiness? So I think we're talking about the fascination we have with the yucky. Mm -hmm. And for me, that manifests in an obsession with ingrown hairs, blackheads, Mm. um, bodily fluids, just all of this stuff which we're told to hide that I think has just created this taboo that I can't look away from. You know, as soon as I had access to YouTube, I was watching Blackhead Extractions. And, you know, and back in like the 240p days, like really low frame rates, so blurry. (laughs) And now it's way more sophisticated. But as long as I can remember, I've been I've been so interested in the stuff that comes out of a person's body. Yes. Oh my god, I I need to tell the listeners and how we landed on this. So we we met um a couple of months ago at the book bar uh, Christmas signing thing, mm. which is like a very uh, London uh, non Londoners book bar is a very like chic little North London bookshop where cool ladies buy the cool books. And uh, we were next to each other in this little signing table. I was telling you about the podcast. I was asking if you were interested because you off the bat just seemed like a really interesting person. And uh, you're like, oh, how about Real Housewives? I was like, oh, we're actually we're pl- we've got one in the works. What else? And then you just paused for a minute. You went, blackhead videos? <laughs> I was like, oh, my sister. <laughs> I think actually you were like, oh, do you like the earwax too? Yeah. And, yeah. and you said, I'm so into the crocodile forceps. Oh, I yeah. Think. And the Jobson horn. Oh, the Jobson horn. Of course, <laughs> yes. And once yes. once you know that like someone hasn't just like, you know, been on TikTok a bit late and seen yeah. a few things, they've actually gone deep into it and they on some private level to find a huge part of the personality by how they are fascinated by this but wouldn't really tell everyone if they know the jobs and horn (laughs) and also you know when they bring out the jobs and horn it's serious because ideally when you're removing earwax you use the the suction thing yes yeah because otherwise you might tear skin Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. if it's really stuck in there and it's just got to be you know it's a big lump you got to go with the jobs and jobs and horn it's thank you for <laughs> explaining that because not everyone will know what the jobs and horn is. You might, you're probably <laughs> going to get loads of emails from all the audiologists who listen to this podcast being like, that is incorrect information. That is not, <laughs> please <laughs> do not issue. listen to her. That is not when you use the jobs and horn. <laughs> We're using context clues. I feel like I pay very good attention when the audiologists are narrating those Iraq's mm. videos. I think I've learned a lot. Um, but like, 
I, I, I want to also put a sort of a slight content warning in that, like, I know this isn't everyone. Yeah. But I do know it's a lot of people because I've been in the comments at three in the morning and it's a lot of people. And for people who maybe blood, pus, sweat, tears, BO, you know, discharge, poo, like, any any of that stuff, if this isn't for you, like, I'm not going to apologize after this point. You need to switch the podcast off and wait till next week. But everybody else who remains... Hello and welcome. Welcome. (laughs) Like, okay, where to begin? I guess, like, the biggest sort of revelation of, like, finding out that, like, not everyone, like, that this isn't just, like, a private niche thing, that this is a big enough um, thing that, like, oh, this is something we're all ingesting but not talking about, Mm -hmm. is the arrival of Dr. Pimple Popper. Yes, I think that is the first time, you know, where, again, where it just didn't feel like it was filmed on a Nokia brick, where it felt like good production, and you were seeing these, like, millions of views, Yeah, you know, all sort of eyes open for the removal of a dilated pore of Weiner. The dilated dilated, pore of Weiner. It's not a blackhead, it's It's a dilated pore of Weiner. It's like a plug, it's insane. Yeah. And it's 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 so fascinating to watch and it's such a clean removal. It's personally my favourite. But watching these videos and seeing that there are like three million people watching alongside of you. And she became so viral so quickly. Yeah. You know, she's been around, she has her own TV show now. Yeah. But even in the early days of her YouTube, it just escalated. Um, to an incredible viewership so quickly. Totally. And she's become sort of like the dominant, the person, like probably the most mm. famous dermatologist in the world. No, definitely. At the point where I was like listening to interviews with her today, <laughs> like her, her being like, she's a very respected dermatologist. She's like been in like all these medical journals. She's had all these important mm. residencies, but she has become known globally as Dr. Pimple Popper. And I think I think also what Dr. Pimple Popper has done is that like she hasn't created something out of thin air like there's always been this taste for bodily yucky grossness on tv and something you brought up was um embarrassing bodies which mm-hmm. is like an early naughty thing but what she has done is like she's 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 giving us the procedure she's giving us these clean sterile environments yeah. where she digs out the port the little coal lump of the pore of wine yeah. and then she seeps out all the pus and, and you're like she, oh. and she sews it up really neatly but the thing i think is most important about yes. um I think her name's Dr. Sandra is it Lee. Sandra Lee. Yeah. Um, it's her bedside manner. Yes. And before, you know, the videos I was watching, it was like popping the cyst on my boyfriend's back, mm. you know, like done with like bare hands, daddy nails. Um, <laughs> but also, you know, people kind of gawking at it. Um. And I think what she's managed to achieve is like put on a public platform this very like kind approach to things yeah. that people are often embarrassed about in themselves. Yeah. And yeah. it's just so refreshing. It really is because she has everything from like someone with like an enormous cyst on like their neck mm-hmm. and where all you can do is sort of like grieve the American healthcare system that yeah, has allowed someone to exactly. walk around like this. And she's sort of, you know, what I'm assuming is providing them a free service to someone who doesn't have a lot of money mm-hmm. in exchange for them being featured on her TV show, which shouldn't be how the world is. If yeah, we shouldn't have to exchange <laughs> our privacy for basic things like healthcare. Yeah. Um, but I still, the removal of assist, but I'm glad we but, have it. But I'm, but I'm still, I do think that she is a net positive in even yes. in that space. Um, yes. And it's really nice to... And, you know, I was saying earlier, 
before we started recording that I, as research, had watched two episodes mm-hmm. of Embarrassing Bodies. Mm-hmm. I watched Embarrassing Bodies, the reboot, season nine. Um, and for those who don't know, I only learned this yesterday, there was a... 2022 reboot of Embarrassing Bodies, the show having sort of stopped in 2015. Mm -hmm. And the tone of the 2022 one was so kind. Mm -hmm. And it was covering everything from, you know, rough sex, um, really difficult discussions uh, about... Oh, I actually... I took some notes on the things that they talked about. Anal bleeding, side effects of taking NOS why women might miss smear tests if they're worried about the appearance of their vagina Mm -hmm. and they had an artist paint all of these different shapes of vulva. Mm -hmm. And it was so much about normalizing things that we might feel ashamed about in our own bodies. Whereas when I watched the something from season four, which must have been from early 2010s, like maybe even 2010, it was so gawky and it was really uncomfortable to watch. I was just saying it sort of opened with the three doctors walking on a beach on Spain, being like, we're on the hunt for the most embarrassing bodies on the beach. I was like, what? And that's just the appetite that we, you know, that's that's a diet of kind of conversation around body that we were brought up with. And I actually think part of the reason I'm so fascinated with things like pus, blackheads, et cetera, et cetera, is because I was brought up in a diet of these TV shows, environments that were made, that made me feel quite ashamed about things mm. in my body. And so suddenly these things become quite taboo and exciting and I can't look away. Well, this is, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated if it's a kind of a nature versus nurture of what mm. makes a yucky girl. Yeah. So, uh, forgive the question, how many siblings do you have? So I have two older sisters. Okay. I have three older siblings. Yeah. I wonder if being the youngest is part of it because I, I think I would, like, you growing up in a house with lots of, you know, people in it, there's a lot of bodily just overlap on everyone. It's like, mm. you know, some, you know, some four-year-old has shit their pants and now the now the <laughs> knickers are floating in a basin in the mm. kitchen kind of thing because they're soaking out. Or like my sister jumping on my brother's back to squeeze out his blackheads. Like there's a mm. lot of just like overlap. We were just kind of that sort of family, really. Interesting. So my mum is an extremely clean woman. Mm. I like to think that me and my sisters are quite clean as well. But I do think... Deep down, my mum thinks the three of us are disgusting. And there's a... As in, she just doesn't think we we will never clean to an adequate standard around her. Um, as much as she loves us, she thinks we're a bit gross. Yes. Um, which I don't think anyone would look at me and be like, she's she's gross, like she's dirty. Um, but my mum does. <laughs> well, this is, this is interesting yeah. because there's the thing of... Um, you know, we we live in a world of contrast of like, if you are someone who's like your mother, for example, mm. obsessively clean or like yourself, I'm sure lots of people out of curiosity will look at your Instagram page after they hear you on this episode and they'll see a very glamorous person in like, with like beautiful skin and clean hair and an outfit and like, you know, they're not going to see a yucky girl. <laughs> well, that's what's so interesting. It's like where, because we were discussing, oh, even when we were sat on that bench at the book signing, whilst people were waiting for their books to be signed, having a conversation between us about how yucky we were. Um, you know, we both said that we feel like we're clean, but with a yucky core. Yes. And I was like, where does this belief in my yucky core come from? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the work that I've, and preparation I've done for this podcast is interrogating. Oh. Where does that yucky core come from? Like, why is it that despite being like a clean person? Yeah. Um, You're glowing right now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> 
It's because I, I, yeah, I was also saying I was so worried that this was podcast was going to be filmed. And <laughs> I would I, never ever. And I've do been that. I've been bamboozled before, where I've showed up to a podcast not prepared for it to be filmed, and it was filmed. Um, we all, it's all so not to today. Yeah, <laughs> but there, you know, there's this, yeah, this that there's this real feeling that I have a yucky core, and it's you know I've been thinking, okay, well, why do I feel like I have a yucky core? Um, like what does that stem from and I think there is sort of a sense of nature about it I think mm. I'm quite an anxious person mm. so I think I'm always worrying about things like cleanliness and I think that entails a worry about being you know yucky yes because and I, therefore a fascination with yeah yucky. because if you think about it conforming to so much of what we consider to be you know acceptable and beautiful involve some form of confrontation with the yucky mm. in the way that we squeeze and we pluck and we do all of these things to tame our bodies um we have to kind of very much confront the yuckiness that's there in order to prune it yes. just so that no one else can see it so there's this sort of weird inherent hiding and belief in our inner yuckiness 100 percent. and i also like i had this thought you know, I've been thinking about this episode for a few weeks now. I went home recently and I went through all my parents' old photo box and like mm. pictures of them hanging out with their friends. And in the nicest possible way, all attractive people. But they're fucking, they look ugly. <laughs> like, as in, in terms, not ugly, that's mean. Um, as in, like, bad perms, shit dresses, mm. like, not much makeup, or if they are wearing makeup, it's like kind of smeary eyeliner at, yeah. like, at like a smoky dinner mm. <laughs> kind of thing, or like a resort. Yeah. And, and thinking that, like, oh, wow, like, um, I, you know, I use sort of six products on my face just for skincare. Mm-hmm. And then there's my makeup bag, which is full. And the, I, I, I'm I, living in this era where like, as soon as you can think of something that's wrong with you, they've already made a product for it. Exactly. Or before you can even think about yes. something that's wrong with you, yes. you get told about a product that makes you think that there is something wrong with you. I got a press release recently mm-hmm. about sleep lines. Do you know about these? What are sleep lines? <laughs> <laughs> Are they like, oh, is it like when you sleep? Um, like on your side and then like pushes your face. Oh, so no, we have that. Uh, have. I've been on that. We have silk pillowcases and face yoga for that. Yes. No, a, a sleep line. Yeah. Let me see. It's um, if you you're you're sort of um, if you sleep on your side, if you've got tits and they sort of like slope together and then create a kind of line down your chest. Okay, <laughs> it's like a nothing problem. <laughs> It's like so not a fucking problem, yeah. problem. Wow. Okay. But they have a remedy for it. There is an oil. Like it's yeah. mad. Oh my god. <laughs> or like a breast reduction. Like what? <laughs> yeah, Isn't yeah. That, that's so mental to me. And um, I remember being on TikTok and learning about the phrase hip dips. And I still what the fuck is that? I, st- I actually like. I think it's when you have like a dip in your hip. Which is just maybe the shape of a body. Right. Um, and now people are like, oh my God, my hip dips are so bad. Do they mean like your waist? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they're like around your thighs. Like they sort of dip a bit. Oh, like a dimpled sort of thing. Yeah, it's a bit, uh-huh. a bit, a bit sort of um, in the shape. But like, that, it's, like so honestly, bad. it's something I would have never ever thought of. And now I see yeah. videos about girls talking about their hip dips. And yeah. I find it astonishing that it's just sort of created. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I mean, so much that there's so much profit over shame. And I think maybe a lot of us have this sense of a yucky core. Yes. And that's what all of this buying, um, all of this buying and trying to, you know, fix and ameliorate these things that we think are wrong with us is born out of that yeah. sense of the yucky core. Um, but 
why I love those videos of the pimples, the blackheads, is that they feel like a real release. Like it feels yeah. so cathartic. Yeah, it, it just really does. Yeah, it just feels like you're lifting the hood and enjoying it. In the smallest possible way, in the like micro as possible form, you are watching a play. You're watching like yes. tension and release. Yes, exactly. It's like you're watching this thing. You sort of, you know, a, an average video, let's say it's in a sterile mm-hmm. setting, you'll sort of see the, the horrible blackhead or the cluster yeah. of blackheads or the cyst or whatever. You'll sort of like see that there's like tension and weight behind the skin. Mm-hmm. You'll be like, that's going to be big. And then the pushing and the pushing and then just tension building and building. And then you realise you've stopped breathing and your mouth is open. <laughs> And then you see throat dry, throat dry, yeah. and then all this stuff comes out, and it's like, ah, yes, you yes. built the tension. <laughs> yes, and then sometimes you think the cyst is done, and but then the cyst not- is not done. And then there's always the final act of the removal of the sack, because if you don't remove the, the sack, sack, it's gonna recur. <laughs> it's always just like it's so weird when you meet someone who is in the same corners of the internet that you are also in. It's like yeah. you've gone to the same school in a weird way. You're like, oh, did you have that teacher same too? Town, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Miss Sandra. <laughs> Miss Sandra. She's strict but fair. Oh, fuck. Um, but yeah, the like, I, um, yeah, the, it, it always like relates back to personal I guess like I am have actually I have a spot today oh I didn't even notice she's concealed should we pop it now (laughs) (laughs) she did I I was like I I had the whole conversation with myself in the mirror like I'm not gonna pop it today because I don't have any of those little spot patches Mm. I'll have nothing to cover it with and then I'll just get worse and then what did I fucking do but popped it um I actually I have stopped popping especially I learned recently about the triangle of death what is that so it's the triangle that starts, so I think, between your eyebrows on your forehead. Oh, yes. Down to the corners of your mouth. Uh-huh. And basically... So your whole face. So yeah, so <laughs> a good chunk of your face to avoid, but includes all the nose area and sort of yeah. beneath the eyes. Um, and you basically want to never pop a pimple in that area mm-hmm. because there are loads of... Um, I think arteries that go to the brain. So mm-hmm. if there's an infection oh. in that area, um, then the vessels can, you know, take the infection to the brain. Yeah. And you can die. Oh. Yeah, as as is why the triangle, the triangle of death, of death is named. Was... Yeah, so never... I, I, I was going to keep that to myself because it didn't feel too relevant, but I'm like, the more people know, okay. the better. That's, that is a public service, actually. Yeah. You're welcome. Dr. Sandra Lee. <laughs> Well, this is on my chin, so we're okay. Yeah, you're good. We're good. Pop away. Um, the, I, I think because, like, I have this, like, it's actually in a good place at the moment, but mm. I go with phases of acne, and I kind of always have. Like, sometimes I have, like, huge cystic spots, like, mm-hmm. all over my, my neck in particular, and a lot of it's hormonally related. And, like, I just spend so long battling this thing mm-hmm. and thinking about it so much. And so... And also that thing of like feeling, and I know this is like so, I'm, I sound like a fucking 12 year old when I say this, but like feeling like I am 33 years old. I have yeah. a media job in London. I am not, I'm like thinking of cancelling our dinner because I have spots. <laughs> Do you mm. know what I mean? And it feels, I feel so vulnerable and so frail and so. <laughs> Do you get taken back to that, like that teenage version of yourself? Yeah. yeah. Which is, I guess where this all begins, right? Mm-hmm. Like is the teenager, something that you said when we were, planning this was like and it really spoke to me was that thing of when you are hitting puberty because I feel like 
if I think of hygiene throughout my entire young life, it's like you think of like taking a bath with your brother when you're three, you yeah. know, or whatever, and which is a memory that exists kind of almost through VHS and like home movies and that's sweet and wholesome and being clean mm-hmm. after a shower. Then there's that phase between sort of like seven and 12 where I don't really remember anything about hygiene at all. You're just mm-hmm. sort of existing and floating around and on a skateboard and you have a plaster on your knee kind of thing. Yeah. I don't remember anything about washing during that phase. Um, not to say that I didn't, just that I don't remember it. Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> and then suddenly, from sort of 11, 12 onwards, it being this new responsibility that no one explicitly says yeah. to you that you must shower much more than you ever have before, which takes time and is boring, so you don't mm. want to do it. And then you have to dry afterwards and there's never a towel because you've got so many siblings. Yeah, and then there's deodorant, and then like you know, there's every, little skin and then spots, there's things and like yeah. shaving that people start doing, nice. and it's, it's 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 this like constant feeling of like catching up when you're younger, yeah. and I don't think it's stopped now that no. it's like oh my god, you're not on tretinoin, or yeah, you know, it's like all this stuff where suddenly someone tells you there's something you should have been doing with your body, yeah, that you haven't been doing for how many years, yeah. Yeah, it's like that episode of Sex in the City when Carrie is the only person who doesn't back up her hard drive. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like you don't back up. Um, but, uh, so how do you, you know, with those experiences with things like cystic acne, when you yeah. watch those pimple puffing videos, like yeah. what's the feeling for you? Everyone's a freak. Mm. Which I know is something like a guidance counsellor or your mother or a nurse would tell you. It's like, yeah, it feels like something that would come out of like a pink song. <laughs> <laughs> Such a pink star. You can literally see her doing a backflip on stage in Sydney, being like, everyone is just a freak now. I'm a freak with. Have you seen videos of her shows? Yes. <laughs> it's like insane. They're like so many strings. She's flying. Like pink's going to space. Pink's going to space. Why would I only ever hear a pink song when I'm in a taxi in Central Europe? Oh, so true, actually. (laughs) Pink is big there. Pink's big Big there. Big pink fans. I think people have uh, in the past requested pink as a subject, but I'm like, I don't know if I could talk about pink with respect. Anyway, yeah, put some respect on that name. Um, I, so if it's that feeling of everyone's a freak, did it feel like that? when you were growing up as well yeah 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 it really did and god this is this is a bit you know this is quite therapy now mm. but i had this uh <laughs> so as i mentioned there's four of us my yeah. my next oldest brother is 18 months older than me yeah and like i feel like puberty hit me like a ton of bricks and it mm. hit him like a sack of gold do you okay. know what I mean? uh, yeah he just like <laughs> shot up overnight like you know he was just one of these kids who's he's quite eating what he wants he's eating yeah. what he wants his like skin wasn't that bad and he was just one of these people these kids who was just like quite comfortable talking to people his own age and adults he was really yeah. popular he'd like shagged half my class oh my god that's awful it's awful I'm so sorry it was so <laughs> but the thing is I, I like um you know and, and that that is that thing of like you know girls trying to befriend you because they want to shag your brother oh my god I've, so I don't I just have two older sisters and they're yeah. four and six years older than me so, so it never was, really affected you in that no, way that, but that sounds awful it was awful mm. and like I felt like he was the river phoenix and I was the Joaquin mm. you know I was the <laughs> the hair-lipped awkward one who now went on to make good art movies but at the time you know mm. whatever <laughs> And he died in the Viper room. Um, but uh, the yeah, and uh, I 
I always I felt yucky in general because I was twelve, but also mm-hmm. yucky in comparison to my fourteen year old brother who everybody wanted to hang out with. Yeah. And and so and so that sort of like just I guess deeply entrenched itself mm. even more. But then I sort of credit it with kind of my entire personality really because it's sort of. The more yucky you feel, the more internal you become, the more you think, the more you write, the more you read. That's so true. Are all writers yucky? Yeah, well, maybe I think all writers have a strong intrigue and yuckiness. Mm. I think that's often what makes, you know, a good book, like lifting the lid on human nature. Yeah. Which is often yucky. So this is an interesting thing because we're... And it's kind of taken us quite fluidly onto onto literary stuff because there is like an increase in yuckiness in the kind of millennial mm, lady fiction. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. I often think and reflect about how um, Atessa Moshfeng. Yes, is that how you say her surname? That, yeah, that's yeah. how I would say it. Yeah. Um. So how she sort of roped in all of these like all of these women with my year of rest and relaxation which yes. is quite like a sexy like rotting book yeah and then she released like Latvona where it's just lo- it's like, it's like medieval, medieval <laughs> peasant novel where there's lots of shit flinging um and I just I respect I respect that game I respect I really respect it but then even in um even in my year of rest and relaxation if I remember correctly yeah the narrator shits in an art gallery. Yes. There's a lot of yeah. yucky stuff. Yeah, so there's even sort of, yeah, a willingness to engage with those things like bodily fluids. Yes. And, and, and it doesn't feel that, it doesn't feel particularly taboo. I yeah. do think, and I may, maybe this is one for later, but, you know, could... I, I I think part of what made the shitting in an art gallery exciting, mm. maybe for broad readership, was the fact that this that the narrator was this thin, hot, blonde, mm. white woman. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, it's so scandalous. Yeah. And, you know, I wonder if it would have elicited the same sort of response had it been someone of a different background. Yeah. But I do see... Um, an uptick in yuckiness in books, for sure. Huge uptick. Do you, do you feel like your writing is ever yucky? That's interesting. I have, um, I had a yucky scene in my second book, mm. which was about like a character who's incredibly hungover, and then while they're hungover, finds out something terrible. Yeah, and um, they're also in the rural countryside and has to sort of, I guess, like gets diarrhea mm-hmm. in a fuchsia bush, and it's, it's and it's very much it's not played for laughs. Really, it's like something that really annoys me about hangovers in books is that people are always vomiting. It's yeah. Like, I don't vomit a lot. No, I, I've like, I can't remember the lot. I don't think I've ever vomited hungover. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that means, right, it, it the annoys action, me, yeah, the action's not The action's not in the mouth at that point. No. Yeah, if I'm ever going to get yeah. sick, it'll be because I'm drunk, but not because I'm hungover. No, exactly. Really. That felt important to me. What's the yuckiest, yuckiest you've ever gotten in your books? So... I don't know if my books are necessarily yucky. I had a dinner. So um, Eliza Clark, who wrote Boy Parts and Penance, yes, she and yeah. I did a um, an event together in November, and she was a good way through my book. But we had we had dinner together, and she was like, "Oh, she asked me if I had IBS." Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, how do you know?" <laughs> and she was like, "It feels quite like obvious from your book." Wow, because she was like, "There's a lot of poo in your book," and it's not because it's not quite like Latvona where people are throwing shit, mm-hmm. but it's just I just write 
you know, in the scenes when the characters are thinking, it's like, oh, I went to go do a poo. Yeah. Or they're, yeah. you know, they've taken a pill and they're sort of coming up a bit and it's like, oh, gotta go, gotta go take a shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I talk about poo and those those things quite freely because I just see them as like a very ordinary part of life. Yes. Um, that's completely okay to include in a novel. Um, and... I, yeah, and, you know, I, I also have IBS and I think so much of, you know, growing up, my focus was has always been on my stomach. Mm. Um, and I have had so much attention to that that I think naturally it just filters in to of my course, work. Of course, of yeah. course. Like, I, I don't have full-blown IBS, yeah. but I definitely have this sort of, like, you know, my stress is related to my stomach in a big yeah, way. No, uh, yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I've I've done hypnotherapy. <gasps> How did so, that go? Well, I, I paid a hundred pounds for an app and I've been I like I do it fifteen minutes, five days a week for six weeks, and honestly, it basically fixed my stomach. No. I'll send it to you. It's amazing. Please. Um and then now I do a top-up session once in a while, and it's really helped to calm everything. Because I'm quite an anxious person, I think my stomach is very informed um by my mood. So when I'm having a flare yeah. up, it's because often because yes. I'm going through a stressful time. Yeah. Yeah, no, mm. I, I have um friends like that in my life yeah. I think of like well for example if we're all planning a group holiday as a group or whatever mm. and they're naturally an- anxious and also have IBS and mm. the anxiety affects their IBS and they have to sort of think of things like okay well that'll be five of us in a place with one bathroom yeah. and I will be thinking about that all the time and then it will flare up my IBS and there will be kind mm. of this sort of natural cycle and like of course if you're if you're someone who's like an artist and thinking yeah. about that it's just this constant thing again I guess it's like it's just fixation, really, isn't yeah. it? You know? No, Which... exactly. Um, yeah, it's so funny. The hypnotherapy, so much of it's like, you're not thinking about your stomach. <laughs> you're on the swing. <laughs> Swinging freely. Not a care in the world. Not thinking about what you're eating. It's very, very sweet. And it oh. works. Oh, I'm delighted yeah. for you. That's great. I think it has helped like disconnect sort of yeah. that constant worry. Um but I think this that sort of aspect of yuckiness um comes up in my work a lot. But I also think, you know, I've said that a lot of my own feeling of yuckiness is to do with maybe this feeling of having to hide it. Yeah. Or, you know, that feeling of having a yucky core. And I think a lot of my work deals with a sense of belonging. Mm. Um I've noticed that in my first novel with yeah where characters are really trying to understand their identity and who who they are um and also my second novel you know the lead character of which is a trans woman who's just turned 30 so it's sort of 30 31 and is Mm. really struggling to reconcile with the ways in which she's assimilated into heteronormativity Mm. and so there's this like sort of anxiety about belonging right um that i think sort of sits atop you know, a lot of that feelings of the ways in which we feel yucky because we're just, you know, hygiene historically has been such a strong way through which to like exclude people. Yes, yes. And you see that in like the more, I, I was about to say gentle, but not gentle because when you endure at school, any form of exclusion on the basis of like hygiene of like, oh, mm. you don't shave this, you don't shave that. or You have BO it, it, or it, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. horrible. It's, yeah. it's, so it's not gentle, but then you have the more extreme forms where, you know, you have notions of like racial hygiene, yeah. you know, coming up at the start of like the 20th century that ultimately sort of was um, 
very embedded in eugenics. Yeah. And so, you know, there's, there's this notion of hygiene. Hygiene has always, and cleanliness, has in a lot of people's mind always felt like a morally justifiable way of excluding people. Yes. And so for those of us who want to belong or who have anxieties around belonging, and I think, you know, my experience as a trans person and also the transness of the characters in my novels are very informed by that Mm. experience. Mm. So I feel like they all kind of maybe share that same sense of a yucky core that I do. Yeah. Is there like an an aspect to like, like transness in literature as well that it's like you're talking... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot about like the body in the general body, and exactly. the body betraying you and the lack of safety yes, if your body betrays yeah, you. you know, or, yeah, exactly. It's like, again, you know, that lack of safety and, you know, you have these ideas. And I've been thinking about this a lot with, you know, maybe this this parallel between what we're talking about with yuckiness and this idea of passing, mm. you know, this idea mm. of um, transitioning in a way where you fit in without being noticed and the ways in which that is sometimes lambasted because it's like, no, you're upholding ideals of we have to conform but, you know, the very material ways in which it really matters to people yeah. to be able to belong and feel safe. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, it, it's it's a very fair thing to want. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you look at a lot of trans literature, I'm, I'm just thinking that the most obvious examples, maybe, you know, Detransition Baby, it's very yes. focused on, like, the ways in which we feel our bodies limit us. Mm. Um and then again, I'm just thinking of this book that's just come out called Brainworms by Alison Rumfit as well. And um, that, again, is it's sort of it's body horror, yeah. um, but it feels very intertwined with the trans experience in a way, you know, and I, I find it interesting how um, a lot of trans writers do seem to really focus on the body, um, you know, whether it's through, you know, more abstract forms of horror or in very sort of realist fiction, which is more what I write yeah. about the ways in which we feel quite constricted by them. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking as well of um, politics, the form of a mortal girl, mm. where so much of it, which was kind of like a magical realism yeah. novel about someone's like body sort of morphing and changing and stretching yeah. and clothes bursting. And and um, it's just a brilliant novel. Um, but it, it, it made me think as well, Obviously, that's a theme in trans literature, but maybe it's a theme in the body and how it rejects us and body horror Mm -hmm. has become more and more common in literature generally because like it's like we have to because our culture has become so visual Mm -hmm. in a way that it just never has been before. Like me talking about my parents and their friends on the holidays in the 70s and me seeing like the two photographs that exist of that. That's what I mean. Versus... We are, you know, on Instagram, etc., and ha- and we're we're so expected. Like you and I are both writers, and I'm a podcaster. There's really mm-hmm. no reason for anyone to know what I look like, but there is an expectation that I show them. You know, yeah, <laughs> but and I mean, for you as well, like even magazine spreads and everything. Yeah, you know? well, I mean, I find that the um, 
the, the, uh, I, I think particularly for like women writers yeah. now, there is this sort of expectation or uh, I, I think I've just noticed sort of a trend of like young women writers being given like photos and yeah. newspapers and um they're the ones who are focused on as being sort of the more exciting writers. Yes. Um, and that's not to discredit any of these writers at all. No. Um, because, the, you know, the work's incredible. But, uh, and I think what's being put out at the moment is is of really high quality. But I do think, you know, that fascination with youth and beauty does not elide the literary scene. No. No. It, and it's it, disappointing in a way. It's like, I don't... We should be better than this. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I have... I, I, um. You know, I'd had experience doing modeling jobs and it put an enormous amount of pressure, even in my late 20s, on my body. Mm. Um, And so I thought when all of that ended, that that would just stop. But I don't, but I still feel a little bit of that pressure, even being a writer, which is supposed to be so isolated and away from other things. I still feel like people are looking at the way that I look um, in a public forum and making judgments, and I find that I internalize that um, yeah. in a way that I don't think people would expect authors to. Right, and because I, the like, it's so funny because I thought we were coming to talk about blackhead videos. We're actually talking about like it's getting deep, it's getting very Roland Barthes in here. Yeah. It's like the more you are thinking in any yeah. sense about how you're being perceived, the less you are able to just exist in your environment and observe what's around you because yeah. you're observing what's happening internally. And that just makes for worse writing. No, definitely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it is, it is, because fa- like, if somebody, you're right, the kind of fascination in literature culture right now of, mm. you know, young, beautiful female The authors, literary it girl. The literary it yeah. girl. Which I, again, find fascinating because so much of how modern how how books right now are being put out there is that the onus is on the author to be their own be yes create the work but also be their own marketing department yes and their own publicist and to go to parties and talk Mm. to people and be on their podcast you know what I mean like you know like and uh that sort of rewards people who are able to make the work but who are also able to you know, schmooze, mm. which I count myself as one of those people. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. think I would be able to sell the copies that I've sold if I didn't have a podcast and also be able to meet people. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like- no, I definitely like I'm down to schmooze. Like, and, yeah. you, you know, you've got to do it. And but it's it's sort of um, it does feel like it. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I think people's maybe views of the sort of literary profession is that it's quite hallowed and yeah. maybe exempt from the culture of narcissism that otherwise yes. pervades you know basically every other area of life but it very much feels the same yeah yeah i don't know if you have you're fascinated by this era at all but for me i love looking on um like youtube and like mm. 70s interviews of like public intellectuals mm. <laughs> or it's like john berger or bob hughes or like just people in like a brown studio smoking and talking about uh, martin amos's last book do you mm. know what i mean and and there's like a real yuckiness to those interviews yeah. because they're like sort of people who aren't you know tv ready who are on tv but yeah. they're on tv because they're saying great stuff you know and yeah in long form you know um and I love that. Rather than speaking in like TikTok sound bites. Yeah. And I now realize that podcasts are the new 70s talk show. They're just audio, which is nice. Um, but yeah, we've gotten all over the map there. But you mentioned modeling and 
with that, I would like to bring us to um, America's Next Top Model. Oh, I love America's Next Top Model. Um, I just, I like, I love, I just love that show. Did you um, follow it all the way through, or so I think I stopped about season nine? I maybe. watched till the bitter end. So I even watched the se- season where, for some reason, Rita Ora was the host. <laughs> Well, it's so it's so, so camp that Rita Ora has become the figure that she's become. Do you know what I mean? I know it's sort of like it's sort of one of those things where it's just it's just sort of happened and yeah. we all accept it <laughs> and no one really questions. Something Juno Dawson always says is like you can't fight Rita Ora. It's like her. You can't fight City Hall. You can't fight. <laughs> she comes back. You know, it's like <laughs> I will not be surprised if one day it's Rita Ora MP. Literally. Like someday, like our grandchildren are going to ask us when Rita Ora is on her world tour, being like, "What is she famous for?" And we're like, "We don't know." No. <laughs> yeah, world tour of what? Yeah. World tour of what? <laughs> but to me, um, America's Next Top Model was this show that really existed on the peri- on the sort of intersection of beauty and yucky. Yes, exactly. And the the episode. The arc that I think of the most was Michelle. Oh yeah, Michelle season four. Cycle four. Oh, excuse me, I'm so sorry. Cycle four was also, if I'm right, the we were all rooting for you season. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, with Tiffany, where she was like, learn something, learn from, something this. from this. Yeah. Iconic season on that. So Michelle was like, they always have the sort of more masculine wah wah. Yeah. <laughs> And they like who they then like ridicule totally. for their masculinity, and they keep pushing through because yeah. they're it just good but like, TV. But she takes an amazing photo. <laughs> like does she? Because she's unbelievably unhappy she, yeah. because of how we're treating her. <laughs> so Michelle, they were like she was a female wrestler. They sort of like I feel like every time she walked into set, it, yeah. it was like the the score was like do <laughs> And they gave her the worst fucking peroxide dye job I've ever seen. It was so yellow. It was really yellow. It was like her whole head looked like something on Sandra Lee's YouTube page. Like, I remember she, yellow. I, I remember when they were bleaching it. It's all coming back to me now. She was yeah. in an extraordinary amount of pain. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And they and were like, like, how badly do you want this? How badly do you want this? And it's like... <laughs> But that was it. That was like yeah. the makeover was so that episode, which everybody, even if you didn't really follow the show, people would always tune in for the makeover episode. Yeah, of course, because it would be like either taking out someone's weave, putting mm-hmm. in someone's weave, sort of uh, bleaching someone's, putting them through extraordinary pain, watching them cry. Like it, it was like a very fluidy, yeah. <laughs> gross, weird thing to do to these beautiful girls. But she got what was the what did she get? She got a skin condition. Was so I think it was empatigo. Empatigo. And she's kind of like psoriasis a little yes, bit. Yes, and they were like, oh my God, Michelle has a flesh eating bacteria. And all the girls are suddenly avoiding her. Um she's really stressed out. I was saying earlier, like I would not be surprised if Tyra yeah. like used a Q tip and put the empatigo <laughs> in Michelle's pillow herself. Because they were like that, this will make great TV. Um, but it's so it was it's it was like the way that it was handled on the show yeah, was, it was like so shaming. It's, ver- it's very humiliating, and I think that that show had a special knack of again engendering our own fears of our own yuckiness in mm-hmm. us um, through the way it just humiliated women. How do you I, like? I, I do think, it, and you know, I look at the stuff that our generation endured growing up, and just 
think that like, well, these things just, you know, I, you know, I know because I witnessed it, experienced all of it. It created a generation of eating disorders. Yeah. Um, and you know, that and there feels like there's been no penance. And there's been no penance that we need like a Nuremberg yeah, for people. <laughs> Send her to the <laughs> International Criminal Court yeah. ASAP. Send her um, to the Hague. <laughs> But, you know, I was thinking, because I didn't grow up in the UK, I grew up in Hong Kong and Malaysia, and so my diet of television was, like, more American reality mm-hmm. TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only been, you know, since moving to the UK, sort of 12 years ago now, um, that I've learned a lot more about, like, British reality TV. Yes. And that is the craziest shit I've ever seen in my mm. life. In preparation for this, I, like, watched a compilation of Fat Families, Hosted by Steve Miller, and I took down some quotes. One of them was, I'm in Luton, Bedfordshire, and about to meet three right jelly belly jumbos. <laughs> Watch out, Butter Mountains. I'm coming to melt you. Oh, my God. Watch out, it's Massive Fatties. It's not funny, but, like... The Lord Police are in town. It's absolutely shocking it's that this shocking. is just what we were brought up with, and yet expected to not feel completely ashamed. And then also, you know, what shame often does when we can't speak about it... Um, and can't be open about the things that we're struggling with is that we turn that low, you know, that loathing we have for ourselves outwards and, you know, we shame yeah. other people. And so it just becomes this like very um, self reinforcing, scary, toxic yeah. culture um, that we just have to live in. Oh, and, and like, I, I do think that like so much of that era, like, I'm, and I'm guessing we're talking sort of like, 2001, 2005. Yeah. I mean, but even to like late noughties, though. Yeah. yeah. That was like when the Embarrassing Bodies episode I watched, the earlier one, that was still like 20. It was an onslaught. Yeah. It was like if someone wasn't being like shamed for being too mm. fat, it was like for being a benefit fraud or yeah. being too drunk and tacky or, or something. Mm. It was just so shameful. But I also think there was something in it that was all about like how much can we take, you know? Because mm-hmm. it was also the advent of like, uh, internet and like rotten.com yeah. and like all these like I don't know getting access to like normal people like watching like getting pictures of like crime scenes and things mm-hmm. and like it just became all about and humour got much with nastier as well yeah and, really like, how, nasty yeah and like I don't know I'm I'm sometimes I'm reticent to like throw all of it out because mm-hmm. like I, I, I'm um, on another podcast soon and I'm we're doing In Bruges which is like okay. one of my favourite movies I've never watched it can it, you give me a it's really fun like yeah. it's a fun movie you know Um, it's a like a it, it was also very important to me as an Irish person because it's okay. like Irish people doing fun cool stuff like an Irish pub fiction you okay. know but there's like Unequivocally, there's nasty jokes in it. Like mm. it's mean spirited in many ways, and I do think that like some, I don't know. There's a place in our world for mean spirited yucky jokes as a kind of attention release. Mm-hmm. But then I don't really know what to do with that because I know why mm. people laugh at them, and you don't have to be a nasty person to laugh at a nasty joke. Yeah. But do we throw out all nasty jokes? Mm. Yeah. With something like America's Next Top Model. I, you know, I, struggle, I I think it's like such an interesting cultural artifact, mm. um, and I'm like glad that we can now watch it. Yes, with like the knowledge that this was totally yeah. absurd. Um, you know, a bit more cognizant of the tricks that producers pull to create. Yes. Um, you know, a, 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 like an un, unreality reality. Yes. Um, 
And so, so, so it, it's hard to be like, oh, bin it. We can't watch it. And I, I would never say that. But no, but know, I, I, yeah. feel, I feel so grateful for the awareness. Yes. And you know, I think, I think when I was looking, and you know, I don't think all of it's gone. Obviously, you know, I just talked about how girls on TikTok are now worried about hip dips. Mm. Um, so it's obviously not gone. And I think social media has prolific- proliferated a whole new ways and w- way in which we can feel insecure about our bodies. Um, but I am glad that at least that you know side of television has improved. Yes, even yeah. though there are now new demons. Fair enough. New dragons we got to slay. <laughs> yeah. The the one thing why I can't figure out whether it's a dragon or a what else? What's an opposite of a dragon? A knight. Um, oh yes, yes. yes. <laughs> um, is naked attraction? You 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 haven't seen it, but it's essentially for anyone who doesn't know. Um, it is a dating show. Uh, a very camp dating show where the um, people behind these screens are naked and they are revealed from the feet up. Yeah. So you see them from, like the knee down first, and then we oh look they've got interesting calves. Oh mm. that guy you know has a prosthetic or whatever interesting. And then you go up and you you eventually see like their their genitals and mm. then you see their chest and then you see their face last. And every time I watch, it seems to be every time in a hotel room it's on. It's one of those shows. Every time I watch it, I cannot for the life of me figure out how I feel about it. Yeah, but it can also be both the dragon and, and the knight. Yeah, a, a dragon in knight's armor. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, but you know, I think there's. Yeah, I've not seen it, but. I, I've, I've seen clips like I've seen I, yeah. yeah I've seen clips I've never sat down to watch a full episode so I do know that a lot of the bodies are sort of you know representative of what you know a quote unquote average body may yeah. look like and yeah. I think that is refreshing to see you know I do think that it's really interesting now looking at the way in which Girls mm. the show by Lena Dunham oh, is right. being rewatched. Um, and it obviously has lots of problems around class and race. But one thing that's very interesting looking back is just to see, oh, it was so, so many people shamed Lena Dunham mm. for her body um, and her really open approach to nudity and sex scenes, um, particularly in that when that first season of Girls was released. Mm. But I'm like, no, it was actually just really nice to see yeah. a woman who wasn't sort of a model-sized actress. Yeah. Um, and that was that was a show that was heavily invested in yuckiness as well. Yes, exactly. Like the, I think of that that finale with her um, the earbud, yeah. cotton bud in her ear. Yeah, which is I just think that was so that entire arc of Hannah and her um, OCD yeah. spiral and breakdown, mm. and, and what that ends with her sort of and like she you know she gets this. She the, the the phraseology always sticks in my head where she says, "I was just, I just wanted to to clean out. Mm-hmm. I really want." She she gets fixated on just like getting everything out of her. Yeah, which I think you know, on some level, even if you haven't been on an OCD spiral, you can kind of relate to what she no, means definitely. when she says that. Yeah, she goes to the A and E to get it removed. She asks to keep it with, and you can see the sort of tipped with blood and everything. Yeah, which is also very yucky. And then she's sort of just wandering down the street, bleary eyed, like wearing mm. kind of a big T shirt holding this like plastic sandwich baggie with her earbud yeah. it's like the yuckiest but saddest and most but, but, impactful but, thing uh, but because of that very human and I think there's like something um, which felt quite humanising about a show like Girls because yeah. um, because of its openness 
with respect to the body. And I wonder if something like naked attraction maybe tries, or rather attempts at the same kind of openness. Mm. Maybe, you know, and maybe that's the knight of naked attraction. And maybe the dragon of naked attraction (laughs) is that you still have someone reducing whether they want to date someone entirely on their Their impression of their body. Yes. Um, And so maybe inhabits both. Yes, and I think the spirit of how the show is being made is very like, you know, Graham Norton before he was famous. Mm. Remember that late night Channel Four? You you probably weren't in the country, so I'm not sure if you've seen it. But like the, it was very like, look, I found this giant dildo online, and now we're gonna crank call Joan Rivers. (laughs) You know, that was the. It was very anarchic and silly and very bodily, and people would come on tell their shit stories, kind of thing. Um, and I think Naked Attraction was probably created in that sort of anarchic spirit, yeah. but that does not allow for the kind of contestants. And, and so you sort of see these women and their and their fannies, and like mm-hmm. it's like, and you and and you see sort of um, that they've shaved, and you see the yeah. stubble, and you see stretch marks and ingrown hair, and you're like, I am never going to see this anywhere else on television. Yeah. And I I do like that I'm seeing it, and they have they have trans contestants on as well mm-hmm. and like I was like wow I've never seen a naked trans man mm-hmm. on television and where else am I and that felt kind of amazing but yeah. then you also have like these guys who are like you know someone's someone gets revealed and they've got like a chubby belly and they and they kind of go mm, I'm going to get rid of number four and you still watch that yeah. happen so I don't yeah I <laughs> jury's so, out <laughs> kind of feels like maybe halfway there when it gets the yeah. when it gets the embarrassing bodies revamp yes payment, yes maybe it'll improve yeah but how do you <laughs> i don't know oh it was so Just funny like, how do we get those enlightened contestants that we can find yeah um, when we were messaging about this podcast yeah. i shared a, a, a picture of my tv when i was looking up embarrassing bodies and there was a show called embarrassing pets yes what's on <laughs> embarrassing pets it's like oh leave that poor like shih tzu alone like it doesn't it's it doesn't even know what shame is <laughs> no it doesn't know what shame is leave it alone it's so funny Although I have to say, like I have a little dog, and uh, I oh, does it feel ashamed? <laughs> I actually do think she has a real grasp on shame. Oh, <laughs> I know, I know. That's so sad. But she's had like, um, I th- do you have any pets? No, I don't. I I feel like I'm. She, th- my yucky valve does get released because she is one of these little white dogs that always has eye problems. Mm. <laughs> you know? And it's just like there's always like something that, like streak of like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. eye gunk streak yeah. <laughs> perma streak of eye gunk you know she you know I've got to sort of like in summer I'll have to extract ticks from her you know it's all that kind of thing and it it would be too much to say I enjoy it but I don't hate it either yeah no there's like something about that kind of um grooming monkey grooming so much of, yeah like we were saying earlier, so much of grooming is to do with like yuckiness yes like, you know it was like a, a big intimate thing that me and my sisters used to do was like clear and clean so we didn't use q-tips we had yeah. this this is again probably gonna get some hate mail from some audiologists yeah. don't do this is that we had this like tiny sort of gold stick with like a little scoop at Ooh, the end um, very luxe and from a young age like my sister would like sit me down and just like um, look into my ear and just like scrape out earwax, and there's just like something very oh. like caring about those it's things, doing the, yeah, doing those things for each other and like exposing that like sort of quote unquote yucky part of yourself to someone else. It's such a comfort thing, and like also, have you ever been into like squeezing a partner's like spots or blackheads on their back? Or yeah, anything? like always, yeah, always. It is like. <laughs> 
whenever you see women being like, why date men? It's like, because they, they have the best blackheads. Because <laughs> all they do is wash with their seven-in-one wash and then their shoulder blades are just covered in like soapy gel that you can push out. Oh my God, I was, um, I was at my sister's house and um, my, my sister lives in, one of my sisters lives in Lisbon and there was a, the, they had a bath product in the bathroom that was a 24-in-1 and it was like all in German so I couldn't understand but all I could all, all I could see was 24-in-1 you can clean <laughs> your house to, <laughs> oh my god that's so German yeah my favourite sort of genre of pimple popping videos that isn't Dr. Sandra Lee herself mm. is you'll see these kind of homemade ones that are always like a, a male relative by the pool Always. in Spain. Yes. And you can so tell what's happened is that like a bunch of women have been on the loungers and they've watched their dad get into the pool and they've been like, dad, come over here. <laughs> you have something and we want to film it. I love it. I love it. Another, I, I like something which has been typed into the search bar so many times for me is longest ingrown hair ever. The I just coil. always, I just always want to see the coil. Would you say that would be like, if this is Desiree and Dis and you can only take one yucky thing? No, to... I'd take a dilated pool of wine, I think. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I think I just find the plug, the plug, the plug vibe. Yes. Very satisfying. Yeah. That's sort of removing the sort of the coaly yeah. sort of thing. And you're sort of plug. wiggling it out. You know, they have to do a bit of anaesthetic. It's quite painful. But then you just sort of grip it and sort of twist it out. It's, it's oh, sort of, it's so there's bad. something so satisfying and clean about mm. something like that. Yeah, whereas for me, cysts, I don't get much out of it all now. I think they're um they're less sometimes I like it when and you know, Dr. Sandra Lee is very good at this, um, is when she manages to push it in a way where like the sack comes out with mm, the inside mm-hmm. and there's like no popping. It's like a birth, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh yes, it is. It's, it's like a birth. <laughs> a little alien. <laughs> a little alien. And then sometimes they weigh it afterwards. Yeah. Um a childhood friend of mine is now an ear, nose and throat doctor. Okay. And um, so he was very impressed last time I saw him. I only see him every few years because he lives in Ireland. And uh, For your checkup. Yeah. <laughs> He's never looked at my... I feel like that would be a yeah, bridge a boundary too far. Crossed. Yeah. yeah, Unless um, it was an emergency. But I do ask him a lot about mm. what comes in. And he was like, oh, fucking four times a year, some woman will come in convinced she has an earring back in her ear canal. I find that fascinating that so many women have got this yeah. in their heads, this sort of like fixation. Mm, yeah, that reminds, I, I once had, I was convinced I had a blockage. It was quite, yeah. it was, to be honest, quite similar to what Hannah and girls goes through. Really? Where like I just couldn't stop cleaning my ear. I got like so many solutions, yeah. was constantly do it. That is me. Doing it. Oh my um, God. And yeah, I, so I, I, I've sort of struggled with OCD since I was quite young. Not really anymore. Um, but it wasn't until my mum constantly saw me clear my ear that she finally underst- like really understood what was going on. Um, but I think we just we there's just this we can really have the sense of paranoia about things yes. in our bodies. It's scary. It is scary. It's so strange. I I always fixate on my ears when I'm anxious as well. Yeah. I just always like fiddle with them, or I'm mm, you know I'm always like playing with the lobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or if there's like um, because. I- <laughs> This is gross because, I mean, because I fiddle with my sort of ear area so often a sort of like crop of little blackheads has like grown up behind oh. them. And so it's like my little farm. <laughs> Save it for a rainy day. <laughs> exactly. So gross. 
Um, before we uh, end, I wanted to bring up that there was actually a yucky anthem that has come out in the last few years. Oh, yeah. Which I believe to be Womp. By... Like an embrace of like fun, loving fluids. Yes. Yeah. Like uh, for me, that was not the, um, the, the amazing thing about that song wasn't that like, oh, these two women are being hoary and they mm. love big dick. It was like, no, they're talking about like their bodies and their fluids and it's like really intense way like yeah. comparing the sound to macaroni in a pot yeah I love it I think it's like they did it so I mean it like really I came out at the perfect time as well yeah, yeah. where we were sort of at home and oh it was a pandemic song wasn't it was it? a yeah. pandemic song it's actually about the pandemic <laughs> But yeah, no. because it, because she talks about having that uh, touch that like dangling thing at the back of my throat. Oh yes, and because of COVID tests, we were also yes. familiar with the dangly bit at the back of my. She was she was referring to the PCR COVID test. Tests, yes, yeah. she was she was talking about a swab. <laughs> yeah, like, and I remember the debate being like, well, you know, men talk about. Sexual, like you know, hip hop artists talk about women's sexual. Well, yeah. like, no, that's not what we should be talking about. What we're talking about is that they're reveling in how gross they are, and mm. it's a big moment for us. Or like, um, they're reveling in something which, again, people sometimes feel like weird and ashamed mm. about and unable to talk about. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's sort of just often a necessary and like fun part of life. Yeah. Yeah. Now we just need a queef anthem, and we're yes. we're there. Feminism and a poo, soft and like a poo anthem. Like there's, I have, I can't think of a poo anthem. A, a celebratory. At least, ones that, poo at least anthem. one that I'm listening to. <laughs> Musicians, if you're out there, <laughs> Cardi B, if you're out there. Um, okay, I think we've covered. Oh, oh my god! Like oh, hey, hey, soul sister. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, soul sister. Hey, soul sister. Just how I'll address yeah. you when I run into you at literary <laughs> events from now on. Um, is there anything else on the yucky agenda that you are uh, were keen to cover before we close off? I think we did a really... I'm really proud of a us. A really comprehensive <laughs> look at yuckiness. I'm looking at our Google Doc. Basically everything <laughs> I, I got to list all those those quotes I saw in Fat Families, I'm still astonished by. Um and you know, yeah, I think it's. I think it. I, I feel quite satisfied. I was a bit worried. I was like, oh, I'm going to run out of things to talk about. Yeah. But I think I could go another two hours. No. If, no, if left to my own devices, it's always tough with subjects yeah. like this to not know when you kind of you end up talking around things for a while. But I feel like, like a great cyst or spot bobbing video, we've really gotten in there. Yes, exactly. We've extracted, we've extracted sack intact. Sack intact. Uh, so, Nicola Dynan, you're a novelist. Your first novel, Bellies, is out at the moment and is very celebrated. Would you like to tell us a little bit about it? So, Bellies is about two characters, Tom and Ming. Tom is, you know, your typical South London soft boy. He loves Mark Fisher. He thinks he's a socialist. And Ming is this very effervescent playwright from Malaysia. And they meet at university and fall very quickly in love as you do when you're 20. Um, but when they move to London to start the next phase of their lives after graduation, Ming comes out as trans and suddenly the couple have to confront what that means for them, particularly Tom, who, you know, is a gay man and doesn't really know if he wants to be with a woman um, or if he can even be with a woman. And so these questions loom over them as, you know, they're in this very tumultuous early 20s period trying to figure out who they mm. are and also who, you know, who they love. 
It's also just really funny. Like, I've not finished it yet. Uh, I started it over Christmas and then I got deadline sidelined. But it's just like, I love how just much of a simpleton top. Yeah. <laughs> uh, out of five, how would you rate the yuckiness of bellies? I'd, depends on how you see yucky, but I think it's about a two to three. Okay. Yeah. Healthy. Great. Yeah. What about the Rachel Winston? I think the Rachel Winston is my least yucky adult mm. book I think the first my first one had uh, a lot of body horror the second one had that poo scene mm. and I'm trying to think of any major yuckiness there's a there's a kind of a kink scene with a knife people are very interested in interesting that's more of a sex thing we actually didn't talk about pornography and how yuckiness oh, bleeds yeah. into that but maybe that can be a sequel but, I, but yeah again but I think that's just um, you know an extension of what we were talking about like being able to indulge in taboos that we otherwise feel ashamed about yeah um, you know all of the negatives of um, ex- and exploitation, you know, in pornography aside, I do think it maybe what draws people to those things is, you know, an inability yeah. to express it elsewhere. Yeah, when does yuck become kink? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll leave Not that for with us. You. Not yeah. for us. We're normal. Yes. And Pink's new <laughs> single, Everybody's a Freak, will be out oh, no. in a Spanish taxi near yes. you. <laughs> Thank you, Nicola. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 